Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Alt Reports Radio, where we talk about private investments and uh, alternative investments. And so today, I'm really happy to have Joey and Jonathan from Inversion Art on here, a referral from a good friend of mine who's a VC. And they're here to talk about something that I, it, I haven't had anyone on who's talking about anything like this. And I'm really interested to hear about it. We're in the art space and we're talking about you guys are raising money right now to build the company. Yeah, correct. So tell me a little bit about what you're building and why you're building it. Sure. Hopefully a lot of your listeners are familiar with Y Combinator, the investing organization out of Silicon Valley, revolutionized early stage investing in the tech world has put out companies like Dropbox, Airbnb, et cetera. I was fortunate enough to go through that program with the last startup I built in 2011. It was a music tech startup. Got into that program. It was a pretty profound and life-changing experience. Through that, I was introduced to people who ultimately became investors in my company, the founder of WordPress, Jeff Ralston, who eventually became the president of YC. Went from struggling to get meetings with investors to raising from world-class folks, getting mentorship from world-class people, and ultimately sold the company in 2015 when we were serving about 15,000 artists and 600 record labels with our services. And so almost two years ago, the idea was floated past me that there ought to be a YC for artists. Um, I'm also a painter, had been an illustrator as a kid, you know, really passionate about the art space. And that just sounded like a really profound opportunity, you know, to, to be able to create an organization that would help artists the way YC had helped me just seemed really fascinating. So I jumped into a lot of market research over the course of three months, four months, interviewed about 120 people in the sector to try to sort of understand what is the opportunity here? How would you create a fund or, or an organization that would you know be similar to YC in the value that it adds, but obviously pay attention to the nuanced differences between artists and entrepreneur founders of tech startups, right? There are differences, although these artists are entrepreneurs, they have in many cases scalable operations, um, but they, are, they have some different needs than regular startup founders. So there was a lot of research had to be done into what would the model be and who would we serve and when would we serve them and so on and so forth. And through the course of that, uh, you know, research, I got put in touch with Jonathan, who was running the Center for Business and Management of the Arts at Claremont Graduate University, building master's degree programs for, you know, call it kind of cultural entrepreneurship. And uh, we hit it off and started having really regular calls. And eventually I asked him if he would, you know, love to join me and build this company together. And we've been doing that ever since. Cool. So tell me a little bit more about how you see that working, because when we talk about Y Combinator, Right there, you're, these are startups where they are going to come out and they're seeking like recurring monthly revenue typically by selling this software. Arts, this whole other world, how does that, how do you marry these things? How does that, and I should say both my wife and mother went to Mass College of Art, been surrounded by artists growing up. And so I, but help me understand how then you, how that translates into what the model that you're, you're, pursuing? So I think it's important to distinguish that there are lots of different art worlds. There's the fine art world where artists are making something that today might be valued at $20,000, but 10 years from now may be valued at $2 million and be hanging in a museum somewhere. 
And then there's more commercial art, people who make paintings that like thousands of people want to have in their homes, more decorative, and they're selling 10,000 prints of something. That's a very different art market. And we had to take a look at which art market do we want to serve. And we really felt we ultimately want to serve more than one vertical of art, but it's for us. Fine art is the more difficult and interesting opportunity because of the, the way that those works can appreciate. So it created a sort of a corollary between venture capital investing and art investing is that these pieces do have the potential to 50 X to 100 X like a startup. So the, we, our model to have, to take care of, you know, take advantage of both mechanisms. We invest in the artists by buying work of theirs, put it in a private collection and wait for that to mature in value. But then we also work with them for five years to provide really intense hands-on operational support that they need to keep the artists themselves freed up to pursue really ambitious projects that are likely to bring them the sort of attention that will make our collection grow in value. And we handle that operational stuff to free them up in exchange for a percentage of their income for 15% of their income. So we align ourselves in the short term by taking an active role in their career now and sharing a little bit in those rewards. It's not so much money that we're incentivized to do some things that aren't always appreciated in the art world. It's a small percentage. We, we get compensated for the work we do now, but where we're looking at is stewarding their careers for the long haul and then really cashing in when five out of a hundred of our artists become absolute megastars and, and the work that they have produced is very. So help me understand when you're talking about operational support, what does that mean for an artist? Sure. So you got to think about every artist is both themselves, but also operating a studio. And for many of us, we imagine in our minds, like, you know, the home studio, the attic garret, there's like an artist there with an easel sitting there painting. It's a very individual operation. That's a very sort of 19th century idea about what the artist is. Today, many of the most successful artists operate studios with 15, 20, 50, even more employees. They have different departments. They have different operational schedules. These are relatively complex production businesses. The problem is that there is no culture either in education or in the art world that is really helping artists think about how to scale from being the individual artist in a studio who's just graduated from an MFA program at a top school to how to scale that studio project and how to hire people, how to do their marketing, how to think about billing accounting and tax filings, how to think about strategically planning for future projects. And so it's all of that business intelligence that we bring to the artist studio to help them think through the long-term planning as well as the short-term day-to-day operations. And our goal here is not to make artists into better business people, it's to really free artists up to do the best work that they can with an idea for where they're heading in the future. And then we handle a lot of the day-to-day, help them make strategic decisions, keep them on track for the long-term success that they define for themselves. That's the other key thing is that they've all got sort of missions that they want from their creative practice that are very different from one another. And right now, the gallery system, the museum system, the fine art system has really one definition of success for what it means to be a successful artist. And we think that there are many other definitions of success that artists have in mind. They just need a chance to articulate that and then they need support to be able to do it. And that's where we come in. Just to give you an example, we're already working with four artists and one of them has three exhibitions coming up and a big licensing opportunity for the cover of several academic journals. 
and they're just overwhelmed I'm trying to coordinate the logistics of three exhibitions you know they have old collectors who own big works that they want to show during these exhibitions which they need to borrow from those collectors there's crating there's logistics and these things are a distraction from creating the work so they they, they have a lot of work they need to create for these three shows and they're trying to manage crating and shipping and all of these things and so we step in we said look focus on making the work let us communicate with the exhibition space let us communicate with the old collectors let us take care of that stuff you focus on the work and it's obviously a tremendous relief to the artist to have a team in place to help them with that. So you're talking about crating and shipping and stuff. And I thought these are my own preconceived you know, notions coming into to this call, but you haven't mentioned the word NFT at all, you know, or reference <laughs> like Beeple or anything like that. So you're talking about, are we, are you mostly talking about selecting for two dimensional, like what kind of art are you talking about? We're agnostic when it comes to medium. We want artists who have got ambitious plans, really have an understanding about what their creative practice is and how they want to express it in whatever set of dimensions they're thinking about, two, three, four dimensions. We have artists who are creating video work, large-scale photographic installations, paintings, drawings, photography, sculpture, NFT projects. I think there's been a confusion for a lot of people that think that there's something like an NFT artist, there are artists who work in digital mediums. There are artists who work in more physical mediums like painting. They may think of themselves as painters. They might think of themselves as digital artists, but really ambitious, fantastic artists often work across many different mediums. And some of the advisors on our of our organization are artists who work in photography, film, writing, they play within the fine art world, they play in the film festival circuit, they're in fashion, they've done book projects. So, you know, artists for us are not limited by whatever that medium might be. If they wanna do an NFT drop, we'll work with them to figure out where's the best place to do it, what's the best time to do it, who do we wanna partner with, how do we want it to be priced, what's the size of that drop, or how's it gonna work going forward in, in terms of, what does it get them in their larger artistic project rather than thinking about just the NFT as the thing itself? So I think YC, the investment's pretty minimal, right? Is it like 20,000-ish, something in, in that ballpark? What does it cost to get an artist off the ground, so to speak? So the terms for the Y Combinator program have grown over time, and that's what we're also hoping to accomplish. When I went through back in 2011, that's what we received, $21,000. It was actually in that program that for the first time they made an announcement they were going to start giving every company $150,000, and we were the lucky beneficiaries of that new rollout. That was a crazy night, I got to tell you. <laughs> we walked into the room, we're going to give you guys hundred fifty grand more. It's a big difference. Yeah, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, and, and, you know, and since then that now they're doing 500,000 per company. And we really hope that as we become successful, as the, you know, rewards from our early investments come back to us, that we're able to make the program even better and even better for the artists. Um, so the way our program is structured now, it's the amount that we invest is relative to where the artist is at in their, in their career in the market. We invest by buying an amount of work equal to 30% of what they earned last year. So if they made $50,000, which is kind of our main, our minimum, we will buy $15,000 worth of work. And at a $50,000 career, that's probably $5,000 pieces. So we're buying three pieces. 
than an artist making $200,000 a year. We're going to buy $60,000 worth of work. If you're making $200,000, there's a good chance your paintings or your sculptures or your works are going for $15,000, $20,000. And so again, we're probably buying three to four works. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very proportional to how they're already doing in their career. Okay. So your investment in them is through is exclusively through the acquisition of their work, and then uh, and then additionally the support in on the operation. That's right. Right. So we buy sixty thousand dollars worth of work, and as part of that, there's two things. One, we also require an option for us to be able to buy another half a million dollars of their work over the next eight years at a slight discount. Um, we use that actually to deploy additional capital into these artists when they need it as well. So they can come to us and say, Hey, I need production, you know, capital for a new, a new exhibition. Um, how do you guys feel about exercising your options? And we might do that at that time. Um, but then there's, yes, a five-year engagement for us to support them and their studio. And during that time we have the income sharing. So there's two return mechanisms. And the truth is that the 15% income sharing actually not only covers our operational costs, but returns the original investment. So it kind of de-risks it for us. We get our money back through the 15% and then the gains on the collection itself is kind of where the profits are. Hmm. So how are you selecting these folks other than the revenue threshold? How else do you, it seems so subjective as to, you know, to, to be able to forecast what might be more popular in the future. How are you, how are you figuring that out? Yeah, we have a number of ways of doing that. Um, first, you know, as as Joey said, we're we're looking at artists who already have some traction and recognition in the market and in the institutional landscape. So these are people who already have connections to uh, museums. They've been recognized by certain curators. They have certain lines on their CVs and their bios that signal. Uh, that there are sort of potentially very good outcomes in, in, in the long run. You know, and there's a handful of things that are really good signals, whether those are good MFA programs that they went through or significant ex exhibitions like the Whitney Biennial in New York or the Made in LA exhibition here in Los Angeles at the Hammer Museum. You know, a lot of up and coming artists get chosen for these large group exhibitions. And those are sort of good uh, seals of approval early on for understanding where an artist's career may go. No guarantees, obviously, but right. those are those are things that we are looking for. On top of that, we built a advisory board with some very high level professionals. So Alan Schwartzman, um, who has been a longtime advisor in the in the in the art sector, um, was head of global uh, uh, fine art, global contemporary art for Sotheby's for a little bit. Built a, a kind of one of the sort of mega advisories with Amy Capalazzo that was bought by Sotheby's um, a number of years ago and made headlines. You know, he's someone who commands a lot of respect in the art world, both from collectors and from artists. Um, he's on our advisory board. We have artists like Sharin Nishat and Sterling Ruby and Enrique Martinez Celaya, you know, all of whom, again, extremely well collected, extremely well shown and exhibited, lots of institutional recognition. These are all people who are helping us sort of gauge and look at who are some of the artists who may be coming into the program and also helping give them a boost when they do come into the program that they've gone through a set of eyes who really understand what this landscape looks like and have a very good shot of being successful. Again, 
we can't guarantee success every market. You know, if anybody in any market could guarantee success, obviously they, you know, would, yeah. would have some secret sauce that they wouldn't be sharing on a podcast. But it's a, you know, but there's a there's a way of of playing a kind of portfolio of artists, understanding what signals to look for, giving them support from very top, well-connected people, and then really aligning our business model with their long-term success. We think all of those things combine to really give them as good of a, a chance as any of, of finding that success going forward. Hmm. So I think Bill, are, I, I would also, you know I would also add that you know we are you know in addition to the signals and the work itself, like who these artists are and what they want to accomplish is like also a huge part of the conversation. You know, if we feel like they're very comfortable with the practice they have today, they're going to just kind of continue along doing kind of similar stuff. That's, that's less interesting to us. All of the artists we picked so far, they have very big ambitions. Um, you know, we've got one artist who said, I've got my next 10 exhibitions figured out in my head. Um, that's exciting to us, right? We, we want to go with, you know, we want to be working with people who, uh, a have very big goals, big ambitions. They have really exciting ideas for projects they want to do, you know, especially things that like they find too risky to do currently because they don't have the support or they don't have the relationships they need or what have you. You know, we want to free them up to do things that they've been dreaming about doing for a long time, but never felt like they had the support to, to kind of take on on their own. And so we're, we're, you know, we're very interested in artists who have those sort of ambitious plans. And then, of course, we think, can we help them with that? Right. Some of them have ambitious plans, but we are like, look, that's that's just sounds like a stretch from what we're going to be able to provide, at least in the first two years. Let's let's not let's not stick our necks out for somebody who we can't help that much. Um, but, you know, we're picking people who we feel like, man, these artists, they really know where they want to go. They they really are dreaming big and, and we think we can help. So. Tell me about the team. Why why are you two guys for this project? And what does who comprises the rest of the team right now? What's your team look like? Sure. So, you know, my background is in tech startups, but I've been involved in building a number of different companies. I've been through three acquisitions. My own company was acquired in 2015. And by that time, I was working with 15,000 musical artists and 600 record labels, providing marketing services to them. Um, so I think, you know, my background brings both company building, capital raising, um, and also on the services side of our business, managing thousands of artists is already something I've had to do in the past. So um, when we talk about like, you know, delivering to them this operational support, of course, we'll be bringing in people with art world expertise and studio management expertise, but I'm very used to building tools and processes that can support a very large number of sort of Artists are sometimes difficult to work with. So having been experienced in the music world and supporting 15,000 bands, you know, that's yeah. that's a challenge that I'm very used to. Um, and then, you know, Jonathan luckily brings the art world expertise. And I'll let him tell you a little bit more about him and the team. Yeah, I uh, I came from basically a dec decade of building graduate programs in art business and arts management uh, with a real focus on the markets, the management, the studios, the infrastructure, everything that goes into producing you know, the exhibitions and the music and the symphonies and everything that, that you, that we sort of take for granted just sort of happens. This is all of the work that goes on behind the scenes. So I've got, you know, decades now of alumni who are actually working in these artist studios, have been doing this type of work for a long time. And so that's a, that's a, a round of expertise that we'll be tapping as we, as we build out the infrastructure for this. But as I mentioned before, we also built this advisory team because we knew that we needed 
um, uh, credibility for the artists who are going to be coming to the program to see more well-established, more senior artists who are lending their name to what we're doing and lending their networks and their expertise to mentoring the artists that come through our program. We also have uh, uh, Kathy Batista, a longtime colleague of mine who's based in Connecticut, a lot of connections in Europe, uh, has written three books on feminist art, is a curator, um, uh, a lot of contacts with artists. Um, uh, and actually a former student of mine named Jeremiah Ojo, who himself is an entrepreneur, works with artists of, uh, of the African diaspora and black artists that um, are up and coming in, in New York and on the, on the East Coast more generally. Fantastic guy um, uh, with a lot of interest in sort of building the, the, the foundations for emerging artists who aren't getting support from the gallery system or the education system as, the, as it's currently defined. And we've got other people on the team too. Nu Nguyen is the curator of the Michael Ovitz family collection here in Los Angeles, uh, has built one of the most preeminent private collections uh, around and has worked with a lot of interesting contemporary artists, brings the perspective of what it means to place work in, in high level collections and how to navigate uh, the, the tricky scenarios that can arise from those types of things. So, you know, we're, it's a network industry. One of the first things I always tell our students is that uh, one of the most important things that you're doing here in the art world is, is building a network. And so it was very important for us to have this advisory group that was was coming in and helping to bring their network to support the artists that would come through our program. Hmm. So tell me a little bit then about what you're trying to do now. You're looking to raise some money. Is this to buy the art? Is it to get it off the ground? What are you looking for what does that look like and then what what are your tell me a little bit about like your targets or projections over the next couple of years sure sure so we originally you know we looked at this similar to a vc type arrangement where we would raise a fund um and you know it would have its own return structure and you know we were looking at like an 80 20 or 70 30 split management fees things like that um what we found was you know Having to go out and raise repeat funds was a concern of ours. Um, we also just felt like the you know there was a lot of there's a lot of expense to offering the services that we plan to offer. So like the typical two percent management fee wasn't going to be enough to cover our operations. So we were raising like a fund, but also some operating capital, and that clouded the scenario. And eventually, we just took a look and said, well, what what if we just structured this like a startup? You know, we sold equity in the company and then the company owned the art assets as well as all the revenue streams. And then, you know, the investors just own, you know, a big chunk of the company. Um, and we found that just was like a, you know, a structure that A, minimized the amount of future fundraising we would have to do and B, uh, you know, kind of cleaned up the, the story a little bit, made it a little bit easier for, for investors to understand what was what was being offered and, and what it looked like. So we're raising three and a half million dollars in essentially equity financing. It may be convertible debt, maybe a price round, depending on who, who gets involved. Um, we've hit about eight hundred thousand dollars in money committed. Um, some of the investors include uh, one of the top 200 art collectors in the world who sits on the board of two museums in Kansas City. Um, uh, one of the investors is, is a good friend of mine who I went through Y Combinator with, now runs about a $4 billion startup of his own. Um, so we've got a combination of folks from the art world, as well as folks from, you know, kind of the YC community and, and sort of the tech community who understand this particular model and are excited about bringing that to artists. Okay. And so in terms of I guess, you said targets and returns, I mean, I guess in, in terms of that, so one thing we haven't really done, so the, the, the projections we've made go out kind of far because 
we promise the artists we're going to hold their work for at least five years. So we don't really start selling any works until fiscal year six. Um, so we've got a little bit longer timeline, but it really starts to kind of balloon at that point. I mean, it, you know, really we hit a stride in year seven. Um, when, once we're able to start liquidating more of the collection, that's when we start throwing off a lot of profits. And by year 10, we're throwing off, you know, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars in profits. We have been pretty careful to just forecast what does the accelerator and services division do? There's a lot of profits. We've talked about dividends. We've talked about stock buybacks. There are other things that we're looking at in terms of sending returns back to our investors. But there's also a chance we're going to reinvest that money. We talked about the options we have on the art um, to buy more work from these artists. We'll certainly be taking some of those profits and doubling down on the most successful artists we've invested in. Um, we were, you know, we're planning to build out technology solutions that make studio management easier. Those might be products that take a life of their own and become SaaS opportunities for, you know, creative professionals. So, you know, right now we're forecasting, you know, uh, let's say 50 million in ARR in 10 years, but we'll own a $500 million art collection. And we may be, you know, we've got tens of millions in profit that we, we plan to reinvest. So we think it's a much bigger opportunity than what we sort of forecasted, but, you know, we don't want to make a bunch of guesses as to what we're going to be doing 10 years from now. We could be buying studio space, you know, real estate and renting it out to artists for studio space. There's all kinds of opportunities here. Once we've got a thousand of the world's best artists in our umbrella, um, but we've been pretty careful to just talk about what does this opportunity look like? It throws off a lot of profits and let's worry about how we're going to distribute those five, 10 years from now. Wow. Well, that's pretty exciting. And thanks for wrapping that all in there. Help me get my head. So it's not the next masterworks, which you know, advertised all of it, but it's not that kind of thing. It's a, this is a completely different kind of investment. That's yeah, right. Masterworks is like the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange of art. So they take, you know, they take works of art public um, and they create stock exchanges so that you can invest smaller amounts in major works. Um, we are certainly the early stage investors of the art world. Um, and, and to be honest, there's really nobody. I mean, you know, there are little things happening with early, you know, supportive artists, but there's no scalable sort of large organization that's tackling early stage art investing the way that we are. Oh, well, that's cool. I appreciate you guys coming on here. If folks are interested in this, tell a, a little bit about what a good investor looks like for you and how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, so I think, you know, for us, like what's super important is an alignment of values. Um, you know, we we got into this because we saw a need to invest in artists and provide them with a different level of support that they're not getting from nonprofits, that they're not getting from galleries and so on and so forth. And like the mission of what we're doing is very important to us. We've designed something we think is incredibly lucrative and we want investors to be excited about the financial opportunity, but we also want them to care about the work that we do. Um, and, you know, like to take it beyond that, Several of the investors that are committed to our round sit on the board of various museums and, you know, have other sort of, you know, professional relationships with the art world. Um, that's always helpful. You know, in this case, if an artist is looking for an introduction to somebody at an institution or an introduction to somebody in an adjacent creative field, we want to be able to tap our investors to support that. You know, if they have networks that are helpful, that's even better. But I think the most important thing is, A, that they understand that, we're investing in artists. Uh, it's going to be an interesting and exciting ride. There's, you know, we think it's incredibly lucrative, but, you know, we want them to understand we're also trying to be good stewards of the collection. We're trying to be very careful about, you know, being responsible with these artists' careers. There are many ways to 
um, sort of work with artists in a way that that doesn't serve their long term needs. Um, you know, the way that you price their work is it can really have an impact on how long their career is, how many people can and will buy their work. There's a lot of nuance to how to work with artists in a way that stewards a long term career for them. It's really important that our investors understand that that's something we'll be prioritizing. But we are obviously going to be looking for ways to to make great money, but they need to be along for the ride and the mission as well. Sure. And how should they find you? Where would um, they go? We've got information on our website as well, but my email address is joey at inversionart.com. All right. Well, great. Guys, thanks for coming on here. This is a whole new direction for compared to a lot of the calls that I have on here. We talk about a lot of different kinds of investments. This one's pretty exciting. I've been watching what's going on in that space for a little bit, and you guys really grabbed onto something here. So I appreciate you jumping on. And we're going to get this published for you and hopefully hear from some of our folks. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Thank you, Breck. Appreciate the time. We appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for coming.